everyone and welcome to Rift Reaction. It is MSI time officially. Well, not officially because as we record this, there's about 36 hours, I think, before games start going. But either way, we've got that to talk about, but we have some other business to talk about. Hopefully you guys all saw or listened to our interview with Joe last week. If you haven't yet, please go back and do that. It is a, it's a great uh, discussion ahead of MSI about T1 and everything, but... Emily is here with me right now, not in person, but uh, in spirit. How's it going, Emily? Uh, I'm well. I am excited for MSI. MSI is like one of those weird things that like creeps up on you because of the timing, at least, because I'm never going to be in the same time zone as the tournament. So it's like, oh, yeah, the, it, sh it starts in like when you said like 36 hours, I was like, oh, yeah, that actually is accurate. Right. And I assume there's a lot of people in the West, especially in the U.S., where whenever an event is happening in Asia, they <laughs> they hear it starts on X day and maybe don't realize that that day is um, the early, early morning of, of that. So I wonder how many people will miss that that first day. But regardless, it is upon us. But let's get through some interesting roster changes, some interesting updates first. Before we talk about MSI, and I promise we're going to preview the groups on this episode, uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about the Asian games getting postponed until question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. You have listed here, Emily. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring this up because there's been a lot of discussion about uh, competitive integrity of MSI. I've already given my thoughts on 35 ping and, and why comparing this tournament to MSI's past. Um, is going to be difficult because of that reason, just alone, even with all teams playing on inflated ping. I did want to talk because I've seen this like weird reaction after Asian Games was postponed. Um, I don't know the date, but it's, I believe, next year at the earliest, just because uh, I was worried that it was going to be during war like suddenly like oh worlds is now going to conflict but uh that's yeah, not the there case. were concerns about a condensed lpl schedule and yeah um so we don't know if they're going to adjust the schedule for um for like lck or lpl i was talking to chronicler who's one of the lck casters he says he doesn't think they're going to change the schedule even with the games not going on but obviously, a lot of the schedule decisions for summer were made off of the fact that this tournament was supposed to happen, and now it's not going to. Additionally, um, I've seen a lot of people being like, well, why can't they just fly RNG out and do the tournament on, on zero ping? Quarantine in Korea is only a week, I believe. Uh, so they're like, oh, as soon as you knew, you should have flied, flew, flown RNG out. Um, I kind of wanted to update people on the Shanghai situation a bit uh, with trying to stay away from politics, but the, the situation in Shanghai is not great. Uh, they're extending, like just checking in with the news this morning, um, they're extending their lockdowns. I've talked to people in Shanghai, uh, and while the food situation is getting better, they're just incredibly strict about uh, COVID because of this zero COVID policy, which if you can't tell by the tone of my voice, I vehemently disagree with kind of a lot of the stuff that's going on. Um, but we're here. And uh, the reason why they can't just fly RNG out 
is because of the situation in in Shanghai. It's because the city is on lockdown, as Travis knows from doing Genshin Impact podcast. Yes, exactly. exactly. Uh, our and, Genshin and, content has stalled out because there's no content of the game because yeah. it was in Shanghai. But yeah, no, I it is it is a strange because there's some people I think that are actually like upset with Riot or like okay, Riot, like get it together now. Now you need to make this decision. But I don't. I literally don't think that the players are able to go to an airport and board a plane. Um, yeah. So unless they're going to send some agents to extract them from the country. Um, through some secret mission uh, that <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't think we're going to be getting those players into Busan. So I, I just, I get that why people are, are curious about this stuff, but I just think maybe do a little good, bit of Google searching before you take your hot takes to Twitter about this stuff is, is yeah. what I would. And, and like, is the situation shit because you still have to pay on play on 35 ping? Like, yes, it is like it, it absolutely still is. Uh, and it sucks. And we now have to deal with it. But um, I did want to address that kind of upfront just because I feel like I have seen a lot of people who are really angry about it. And I understand that people why people are angry about it. And I do think like the competitive integrity of the tournament is affected a little bit. Like I already said, when we were initially talking about playing on pay- uh, that ping, but yeah like quick hit that turned into five minutes about rambling about the Chinese COVID situation. No, 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 it's all good. It's it's important for people to understand what is going on and why you can't just get RNG to, to Korea, why this is happening. But hopefully, you know, we still get a really great tournament and it's not too big of a deal. Let's talk about Niski going to Mad Lions. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people, I mean, there were some, some questions about Niski potentially coming back to LCS. And instead, he's going to be competing on a preeminent team in the LEC, which I think is really exciting for him, and I'm excited about it. What did you think, Emily, when you saw the news? Uh, I think Niski will be a massive upgrade for this team. I mean, anyone who's spoken to me about Niski knows uh, how much I respect him as a player and, and specifically how much I think he is a benefit to any jungler he works with. Um, so with the talent on that team and kind of some of their struggles, uh, you know, this past split keeping up with other teams was because, um, you know, Raker had some issues keeping up with other LEC mids. And so I think like the pairing of uh, Elioya with Niski is going to be really interesting. And I think Niski's playstyle just naturally facilitates his junglers really well. So um, I expect to see a, at least a significant change in their mid jungle and how they play the game from there. Yeah. All right. Now let's staying in Europe, but not the LEC. We have a quick update on EU Masters. Uh, which includes another notable European player. <laughs> it was exciting to see his social media pop off and everything again. It, you kind of forget that he's not in LCS some, or LEC sometimes. But uh, you want to give us the update on EU Masters, Emily? Yeah, so for those that don't know, yesterday Carmen Corp won uh, EU Masters. Um, you know, people were joking. They were like, yes, with such unknown players like Reckless, who's who you were talking about, and then like Kavashard, who's also played in 
LAC previously and ULCS before that. Um, but yeah, they they won. Uh, I believe their their viewership was like absolutely insane as it came down to two French orgs. And you know, EU Masters is uh is really popping off. I know a lot of people who are just like, why do we have franchising? Because we want Carmine Corp in LEC versus some other orgs that might be in there. That was that was the sentiment I saw yesterday on Twitter. Anyway, I don't know if you saw some of that, Travis. But little a little bit. I mean, that's been an ongoing sentiment for a while. I feel like where, like one of the downsides of franchising is you're always going to have teams that are at the bottom, and people get upset about that. Now maybe some further discussions about how committed some of these. I don't know, second second tier teams and organizations are to building stuff versus the teams that are in the the first tier. But yeah, I mean, these conversations have been ongoing and I feel like they're going to keep going for a while, maybe indefinitely, because you're always going to have teams at the bottom that people think suck. Yeah. Moving over to the LCS, we have <laughs> some interesting decisions that have been made uh, both on TSM and C9. Maple the god himself coming <laughs> off of an historically successful run uh, in LPL majority TSM right Emily this is what TSM does they always pick up big stars I'm gonna rant about this later in my reaction shot um, <laughs> and it's, it's no it's no flame to Maple either as a player uh, to his history but for those that don't know Previously, uh, this year, Maple was on a team called Anyone's Legend. They did not do well in LPL. They finished 13th with a 5-11 and 11 record. Um, and obviously, like, Maple is not to blame for this. Um, however, that team just really, really struggled, was... Not all that great uh, in terms of team synergy or like individual performance. And the thing to kind of remember about Maple is that even when he was on like PSG last year, um, he was kind of having like a small uh, and like late career resurgence. However, had already been to the LPL previously, uh, had had kind of struggled there a little bit. Um, and just isn't, let's just say this is the type of player that I know, like Jat has been talking about in terms of like, oh, we're going with like career resume instead of more recent individual and team performance, um, in terms of scouting this player. So yeah, I mean, who knows? I could be totally wrong and Maple comes in and has like a third wind and absolutely destroys NA, but like I don't see it happening. I mean, I think what's interesting about this is that there was a lot of discussion after spring split about whether or not TSM would try to turn around their strategy basically or really go back to making roster decisions that felt in line with the way that the organization had functioned previously, especially given previous statements that Andy Din had made about not wanting to become CLG and <laughs> all this. And so you kind of expected like, okay, they're going to come back and they're going to do something quite impressive, but it's hard to feel as though the people that are, you know, the fans 
and and pundits etc that are watching this decision are looking at this and feeling like oh okay yeah this is a return to form for tsm like this is going to make them hyper competitive like this is this is really in line it's it does feel kind of like a clg decision right for a long time clg was picking up players that folks felt were a little past their prime or whatever so look there's a chance maple comes in and really shows up and obviously he has had good performances in the not so far past but Mm -hmm. it it isn't the type of decision i feel like that's going to really inspire a lot of excitement from fans so um you know the other thing we should probably mention while we're on the topic of tsm is just that i i would encourage folks to go look at the washington post article that came out Mm -hmm. this this past week called at tsm and blitz staff describes toxic workplace and volatile ceo obviously there's been a lot of discussion about tsm's culture and andy din and his actions and behavior behind the scenes and so there's a lot of allegations on that article that are interesting but i think it's impossible to discuss the direction that tsm is headed without understanding sort of what these stories are and where they're coming from and what's going on behind the scenes so we don't unfortunately have too much time to dive into all of that in this episode because we're we are wanting to focus a lot on msi but there's a lot of stuff in there that i think is at the very least tangentially related to what we're starting to see out of the TSM organization in the LCS. So, but let's also talk about another organization in the LCS cloud (laughs) nine, who has somebody that I have somebody named Jensen. Is this a new up and coming player? Emily? Yeah. Brand new player named Jensen. So they've signed before they've signed Jensen to cloud nine this is fascinating because for a long time there was basically this ongoing belief that Jensen and Cloud9 would not want to get back together. You know, they were kind of like the the awkward breakup where there was not really a chance for them to, to do this again. But I feel like it's uh, it's one of those funny things. I don't want to say it's born out of desperation, but obviously Jensen was looking for a team and Cloud9 was looking for a mid laner and it's not before spring where people can just sort of pretend that there's going to be another option that makes sense for them. And so we've seen uh, the reunion occur, which I think is exciting. I'm happy to see Jensen back on another team in the LCS. I'm happy he didn't end up playing in like EU Masters or something. It's it's good to have him back. And I think it also sets up a team liquid C9 rivalry because obviously Jensen was uh, dumped, quote unquote, for Bjergsen. Um, and it'll be fascinating if Bier- if Jensen comes in and outperforms Bjergsen, which I'm a little curious to see how rusty Jensen's going to be. But if there's any kind of, I mean, he's had kind of grudge like statements before about Bjerg. So just imagine how excited he would be to just beat Team Liquid in that first match and like style on Soren. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I think the other big thing is that. Fudge is rumored to just be going back top lane, obviously, because people are like, where is Fudge going to go? I mean, that's... I've also... Yeah, I've also heard the weird, like, what, Fudge support? There are a lot of people in our mentions who wanted Fudge support. It's going to be Zven support. He's just going top, guys. We already know. I mean, it's not... At this time of recording, they haven't officially said it, but it's been reported, and I feel like it's pretty obvious, so... 
Um, I, I don't know what C9 is going to look like in summer in terms of their performance, but I, it's it's fascinating to see the different tacks that you're seeing TSM and C9 take here, right? Like they similar situations in some ways, very different in others, but also very different solutions. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. But finally, let's talk about MSI. Are you ready for MSI, Emily Rand? I am. I've been doing a lot of prep work. I'm excited about it. It should be, even with all the caveats we've already mentioned, um, it's going to be an interesting tournament. I'm excited for T1, who, if people didn't listen to our last episode, I wasn't just saying it because Joe Marsh was on. I think T1 are kind of overwhelming favorites. I mean, I don't think it's a hot take. Yeah, no, it's not a hot take at all, but... I figured I'd I'd reiterate that because I am excited to see them play. So yeah. Um, well, before we get into the group predictions, uh, let's ask or we asked all of you uh, two weeks ago, unfortunately, because we had uh, Joe on last week, so we couldn't go over this. What MSI group do you think is going to be the closest? Group A, twelve percent. Group B, eighteen percent. Group C, sixty nine percent. So yeah. I I don't think anything's too surprising there, but it is. It is fun to see. I wish we had we had the way to ask folks in Group A and Group B what they. (laughs) So so the only thing like because the the like what group is going to be the closest is broad enough that I can't tell whether people voting for group because like I would vote group like if I had to choose between Group A or Group B. It's obviously Group C. I think the answer is Group C. But um. If you had to choose between group A and group B for like the second closest, I would actually choose group A, not because I don't think T1 is just going to stomp that group. I do. But then the race for second, I think, is a lot closer than if you're considering everything goes as planned in group B and RNG emerge as the the top. I think PSG are, are kind of the second uh, the second team that you're looking at. Who knows? Maybe Wildcats or Red can surprise me. I know Joe was like really high on Red um, last week when we talked to him. But uh, I think Detonation Focus Me and Saigon Buffalo, I'm really curious to see how those two teams match up because I think they're more evenly matched. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. It is It is interesting depending on how you, you define competitive because in Group C, it would be... what. One region would be made fun of endlessly if either G2 or EG does not get out. Whereas with mm-hmm. the others, you actually do have question marks for who's making it out. So, um, I, and, and as you said, like Group B has got, got PSG talent, who I think a lot of people would guess. But let's talk a little bit about Group A, Group B uh, in particular, because I'm sure you've already been doing your research for MSI Analyst Desk stuff. So, any any interesting stories that you can tell us about Group A, and do you think Detonation Focus Me is as is? I feel like they're going to be people's favorite for the second uh, spot. Yeah, I think they are based on name recognition. I, there's a weird thing going on in this group, I think, where people are underestimating Saigon Buffalo because they're the second place team from their region. So for people that don't know. They faced GAM Esports in the finals and lost. GAM was already slated to attend the Southeast Asian Games, which are different than the Asian Games. So they could not attend MSI, and Saigon Buffalo were already slotted in before they ever played their final. 
Um, but I think people are, are kind of sleeping on this team. They're very fun. Uh, they're very young. They have four of the 10 youngest players. It's a, it's Jojo is the youngest player at the midseason invitational. Um, but then it's uh, Saigon Buffalo Shogun. And then Taki is in there. Bean J is in there. And Froggy are all in there. The only one is, uh, I believe, Big Coro is the, is the only player who on Saigon Buffalo, you may have heard him, heard of him previously um, because he has attended international events before, but um, I believe he and Hazmet are the only two of their players who are, uh, you know, not in the 10 youngest. So they're a very young team. Um, they're a very proactive team. I think the two players you should be looking at are Bean, Jay, and Taki. Taki in particular has a lot of really weird support pocket picks. He's played support Camille. He's played some more support Scion. Um, so if you're looking for kind of like a team to try to throw everyone else off guard with a few like interesting uh, picks, I think you should be behind Saigon Buffalo, to be honest. These are a really fun team to watch from what I've been able to see of them. All right, so get get hype for Saigon Buffalo, but expect T1 to crush literally everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think T1 gets out of that. It's just going to be a speed run. Easily. I mean, that should be... Yeah. Instead of like pickums and stuff this year, they should just have people do predictions on T1's like game time. Essentially, you know, how quickly could they crush everybody? Or even like total, what does their total game time look in this in this group? Whatever you add all their matches together. Let's talk about Group B uh, because we, we were talking a little bit about them. Obviously, you said you said or reminded folks that Joe last week had mentioned Red as being an exciting team. But do you do you expect anybody to be able to stand up against RNG? I mean, obviously, there's the ping stuff, which makes all these conversations a little difficult, but they're not going to be playing in the arena. So I don't know if there's an expectation or any thought that that teams can take games off of them. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think teams can take games off of them. Like as much as I don't think this PSG team is as good as their prior iteration at last year's MSI um, or or Worlds. I think this team, something to note is that like typically we have PSG coming in from PCS where like they crushed it. They absolutely destroyed everyone. Um, this team is not that. They actually almost lost to uh, CTB Flying Oyster, I think, or something was the other team they were facing. They lost to them, and then they beat them in grand final. So they got knocked to the lower bracket by this team, actually, uh, Missions team. So uh, you probably know Unified and Kaiwing and Hanabi. If you haven't seen this team go, that's kind of the core recognizable part of the team. But um, RNG are, are kind of shaky. Uh, they're a lot shakier going into this midseason invitational than they were last year's midseason invitational. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to see top esports here, or a lot of the LPL casters anyway, want to see top esports here instead of RNG because they've been so shaky. And then the other thing in this group that I is really a huge toss up to me, and I want to see how these two teams perform is the old. Brazil-Turkey rivalry that's been going on for years when both of these regions were kind of on the come up and people were starting to recognize that 
top teams from minor regions can still take games and be very competitive at times, especially in a single game format like we see at this tournament. Um, so yeah, I mean, this group overall, I still think it's going to be RNG, PSG, and then Wildcats Red from from what I've seen. Um, but who knows? Like maybe maybe people will be right in our poll and this group will be end up being a lot closer but i still expect it to be rng1 psg2 yeah yeah well we'll find out soon enough finally let's go to group c so for me in this group (laughs) i'm really looking at evil geniuses and g2 esports to be the standout teams um i realize that that might be a little unconventional but i think that they're both from lec and lcs so of the quote unquote three teams that are in this group i expect the two of them man i i it's so funny this that this group was formed this way because because one i love that order is here because they're kind of like north america junior and the fact that their players count towards lcs native stuff like the fact that you do just get eat like the eu na rivalry and the fact that there's only three teams in it like it's just it's such a hilarious, weird group, and I, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the fact that this ended up forming this way, and I'm excited for what it means for the broadcast. But uh, have you had a chance to look into order at all, Emily, yeah. and learn anything as you've been investigating? So get ready for high zillion priority. Um, Too bad we don't team. have beard here. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Zillion is the is the key uh, is the key the key staple uh, the os staple from from this split. I don't know. I I like Bach whenever we call. I know why you called them NA Junior, but I think like the Oceanic region has had to deal with a lot of gutting over the past like few years, and a lot of their best players moving to other regions. Um, this entire like. It's not necessarily a super team, but all of the players on this roster are the most highly regarded Oceanic players in the region um, right now. So even though they had a shaky regular season, I think these are players that people have looked at and have scouted. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. I think in terms of their overall gameplay, they don't have the same knowledge of like set plays or cross map plays that I've seen from even like, you know, like EG and G2, um, just the overall macro understanding of the game is not as good. Um, But do I think they can take games off of G2 and EG in a single game? Yes, like absolutely. I don't think any team from this group is coming out undefeated. And if they do, I'll actually be surprised because they have to play each other so many times in single games. I think they're close enough to each other and teams leave enough room to make mistakes that I think it's going to be really difficult to come out undefeated from this group. I mean, I think what is definitely true is that at some point in time, EG will have a triumphant victory over G2 towards the end of a day. And at the beginning of the next day, will lose embarrassingly to order. That is literally the narrative uh, that happens in every north american international trip so get get ready for that folks because that's definitely going to happen 
No, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty excited about the EG G2 matchup. I mean, I think folks should. It's going to be fascinating. It's really cool because EG is such a unique team with such unique players and with a, a very different story from what we've sent before. So I talked about this previously, but I think it's fun to see them clash against G2 in Group C. So yeah, I think, I'll say if there's one thing to watch out in that matchup, it's that Yankos and... Um, Caps play mid lane very differently than JoJo and Inspired. And if G2 has an advantage over EG, I definitely think it's in that. It's in just mid-jungle synergy and, and understanding. Let's talk about our polls and Q&As while we're on MSI. So maybe you've actually heard this already because I think they might drop it on the broadcast. But this week's poll is, what MSI group are you most excited about, Group A, Group B, and Group C? So last week we asked you who's going to be the closest, but maybe you're just excited to see T1 destroy people, or maybe you are excited about the G2 EG matchup. Maybe you feel like it, you know, the, the battle in Group B is going to be incredible, and you just want to see how RNG performs with the you know limitations that are on them. So... Please let us know in the Spotify app. Uh, look up this if you're if you're not listening on the app on your phone right now. Go open it up and look up to this podcast so that you can make your voice heard in our poll. And while you're there, please also answer our Q and A where we want to know what are your way too early MSI MVP predictions. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people saying Faker, but there should be some that say JoJo. You know, maybe some Dannys. I'm predicting a lot of Caria actually. I think yeah, Caria is but- going to take it. Faker is such a, a fan. You know, <laughs> Faker is the default. Yeah. I feel like people will just, just go with that. All right. Let's react to our Q&A from two weeks ago, talking about evil geniuses just now in Group C. We last spoke about this Q&A right after EG's victory, which is funny. It feels like it was so long ago. It's so funny. We're already at MSI. What do you think Evil Geniuses win means for the future of roster building in LCS? So we actually got a ton of replies and opinions from all of you. So reading off a couple, uh, Mr. Spring Powered, bringing it to MSI, says very little unless they do well at MSI. So really it feels like the real test will be MSI for this type of roster building. Do you see any Emily that you like? Um, I mean, I think like based, I think it's supposed to be based. It's Bass de Platypus. Uh, we should take more time to develop local talent. And this doesn't mean that every player, like I, I have seen a lot of people taking what well, I said on broadcast out of context. And I know I talked about this on hotline league as well. Um, that is from like years of frustration of teams just issuing to, look at their native talent and bother to scout them properly or put in effort into developing them. Um, and EG did that, right? Like the setup of this team is designed to make sure that Jojo and Danny can succeed with the skills that they have. And I think that is really key towards this team working. And I also think like, for example, there's a world where COVID, if COVID doesn't happen, I think we have this conversation about Blabber because Blabber had a phenomenal uh, spring 2020. And if things go like a little differently, that team was set up very similarly to have like raise Blabber and have him succeed after after swapping off. Um, so I think like there's a lot of like, it means hope for NA players, um, more, more 
scouting of NA talent. Like, I actually really, really do hope that orgs take a good lesson from this and actually bother to look at their native talent. Because as much as people meme and they're like, oh, JoJo and Danny were the two worst players on that team, blah, blah, blah. Even if I agree with that, I think the big thing is you still need to scout your own talent. And one of the reasons why people are so behind this team is because of JoJo and Danny. There's a lot of jaded responses. Bandana says, I don't think it will mean anything. A lot of people say probably nothing sad face says, says Feli or Feli. There's a ton of folks. Uh, Why so rude says more zoomers, which I like get, get the zoomers into the league. But yeah, Yeah. there's, there's a lot of, of folks There's who the, I think are Chris, a little jaded Chris about it. saying it means teams will ask what the bio is for Danny Jojo. I yeah. saw Dom also tweeting about this too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The veteran rookie model might be something that TL explores more, but it, it won't end up like taking over. Um, I'm worried we'll see an... So this has been really interesting. I'm worried we'll see an en- influx of any talent without systems to like support it. Preston said that. And... This is, I know, a worry that people have talked about on on Hotline League as well, and like Mark has talked about more specifically. So again, I think the main lesson to take from EG is that really well coached, very well designed to to work and facilitate their young carries, um, and really good scouting and actual talent development. Well, let's move on to reaction shots. All right. My reaction shot this week is that Summit leaving LCS is bad. Surprise, surprise. So uh, for those of you that missed it, Summit is going back to Korea. So we just gave this guy an MVP trophy and then said goodbye. You can leave the league now. We are at the point in the league where we cannot retain an MVP player for more than one split. That is what roster turnover has become. And I know I've been beating this drum for a long time, but I feel like everybody always talks about, oh, the viewership issues are because of our competitiveness or because of the broadcast, et cetera. And obviously these things play into it. But I truly believe that the number one biggest issue with the league right now in terms of retaining viewers and interests from fans is that we are constantly playing musical chairs, bringing a player in, I don't know how much time Emily, you and Mark and everybody else on the analyst desk spent talking up Summit, building play, mm-hmm. players' interest in him, getting people excited in him. We, there was content and interviews that were done on him, and now he's gone from the league. And after he got MVP, this is just not healthy for the league. And I think there's a whole it's, – it's a, it's a big, broad – problem because I think what people here think is that I'm saying C9 should not have made a roster change. I'm not necessarily suggesting that they shouldn't have made a roster change, but in no other region. And I can't imagine in any other sport, do you bring in a player from another region, give them MVP and have them leave. So unfortunately reaction shots are too short to talk more broadly. I think about the systemic issues that lead to something like this happening. And so maybe we'll, have a later episode where I can I can expand on something like that because I think there's a big discussion and I'd love to hear sort of our our back and forth on that Emily but mm-hmm. I I don't know I just I think this is a huge pity 
And guess what? I'm not the only one who said about this offseason roster change situation. Emily, what is your reaction shot? Yeah, so my reaction shot is about uh, TSM Maple and kind of how this is a microcosm for what I was kind of railing against on broadcast, right? Because when you look at EG, to reiterate, you have a very strong veteran top laner in impact. You have incredibly experienced and still fairly young players in Inspired and Vulcan, who are both standouts in their position, obviously Inspired uh, LEC MVP. Vulcan has weirdly been underrated in my opinion, mainly because he's had to go up against Core JJ for the majority of his career. Um, and, and it's really hard when someone's that good in that position. But like, this is all to facilitate set plays around their major carries so that they can use their hands diff to overwhelmingly win situations that the team sets up, right? And so a lot of scouting was done for this, a lot of really good prep. This is, a, like I said, it's a very well-coached team. Their lower bracket run is full of, of really good drafting and a lot of thought and attention to detail and what this team is going to play and how they're going to play it. And TSM has already kind of been on fire since the beginning of this past split. But with all the roster changes they made to try to like stay afloat, right? They brought in TakeOver. And do I think TakeOver is LCS ready? No, I don't actually. But I do think it's really unfortunate to see him so like easily discarded for someone like Maple, who, while coming into the position, is he better than Takeover? I mean, maybe, but he's at he's towards the end of his career, barring like a major resurgence that I'm just not able to predict. But having him watch uh, watch him on Anyone's Legend, having him watch watched him previously on PSG Talent and and also on other LPL teams. I definitely think the prime of his career has passed, right? And so it's really frustrating to see TSM go with this strategy instead of taking a look and trying to make a good mixture of, you know, like you have a really great NA staple player who I think is still very good in Spica. Um, and if base your team around him, go from there try to have a good mixture of, again, like veterans and rookies coming in. It's just, it's really frustrating to see this decision being made because I don't see Maple as one of those veterans who would be able to do this, especially coming in to the LCS as a new LCS player and having to go through that adjustment. Um, Again, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but this is kind of a microcosm of the type of scouting and like over-reliance on prior resume and and pedigree that has been not great in in the LCS ecosystem for a while. I mean, I think a great question is, do we think that Maple will play more than three splits in the LCS? And I would be surprised if he even plays three, but I doubt that it'll be more than three. And so it's another example of we're going to bring this player over the broadcast and everybody will do a bunch of work to try to make people care about Maple as an individual and get invested in him as a, in a story and him as a player. And then guess what? We'll probably get less than 18 months out of, out of him. So, yeah, I mean, the sad part is I actually am in inve- like me. I'm personally, I've I watched know, him for years. Like I am personally invested in Maple. I like him as a player. It's just, 
not what I want to see NA orgs making. And it's, as a, but it's also it's yeah. I, we're not supposed to to babble too long after reaction shots. But I would I, I guess I would just say you are because you followed him. The average LCS viewer has probably like might remember this player's name from previous international events, but knows very little about him. And you know, there's going to be a bunch of work that needs to be done to get people to care about him. And I, I just I don't whatever. Anyway, guys. That's fine. We'll talk about LCS issues another day because we're excited for MSI kicking off in just a short period of time. It's going to be fantastic. We've got some special interviews coming up in a bonus episode that will hit this week with uh, some Group C contestants. So stay tuned for that and uh, stay tuned for the rest of our coverage of MSI. And congratulations to one Emily Ran for being there in person. We'll have her on site uh, in yeah. Europe soon. And hopefully so. my microphone won't be as bad as it was last time. Tune in next time. <laughs>